May these words of my mouth and this meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Several years ago, Don and I were out to dinner with three other couples, and one of our friends was complaining about some drama that was going on in their family of origin, and that led to a chorus of sympathetic utterances and some comparable stories from others at the table. And after listening for a while, I asked this question, who here thinks they're the most normal person in their family. (laughs) And simultaneously, eight arms went up in the air. I would ask you all that same question, but some of you are related to others here this morning, (laughs) and that could prove problematic. The Bible uses family relationships to teach us much about God and about ourselves. And sibling relationships, especially, are rarely well presented. Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, and then there's poor uh, Joseph, who was sold into slavery in Egypt by all of his brothers. We relate to stories of family We see bits of ourselves and our own families in them, and they speak to us because we are all part of a family. Most of us know the story of the prodigal son. It shows up in every book of illustrated children's Bible stories. It's a rich tale of repentance and forgiveness. The prodigal son does wrong. The son realizes his mistake, he repents, and his father not only forgives him, but gives him the best of what he's got and throws a party. It is a story as familiar to us as our own history. It is actually our own story. We love this depiction of the fathers of God's lavish mercy don't we? However, in spite of headlining, the prodigal is only half the story. He's only one of the sons. What of this elder son, the son who remained to work alone, half of his father's estate, which would someday be his, but is not yet? It's helpful to think about the subtext of the story that the listeners in Jesus' day would have understood hearing this parable, things that we might be missing out. The younger son, the prodigal, not only took his half of the inheritance, he liquidated it. The father and the elder son are currently working the land next to people who now own their old land. The prodigal comes home with nothing, completely empty-handed. That fatted calf, that ornate robe, the ring, the sandals, 
those are part of the elder son's eventual estate. With the prodigal's return and welcome, the elder son suspects that his half of his father's inheritance will now just be a quarter of what it once was. And this perceived injustice occurs on top of the shame that this family has experienced at the hands of the prodigal. Asking your father for your inheritance while he is still alive was akin to wishing him dead. Try walking tall through the village with that shadow hanging over your family's name. I would wager that we all identify with at least one, if not more than one, character portrayal in this tale. That's the magic of parables. Are you the parent who has been wronged or disappointed by a child? Are you the child who was so desperate to break away from your family and differentiate yourself? The black sheep? The parent who has known the joy of a child returning to the fold? The child who has done everything right? The child who has done everything right and resents a slacker sibling? Or are you the parent who sees his children feud and feels helpless and brokenhearted that they simply cannot seem to love each other? Whichever character resonates, I'm pretty certain that most of us have a lot of that elder son in us. We look at the actions of those around us and question why they deserve what they have. Look at what we've done. Look how hard we've worked, how good we've been. We followed all the rules. Where's our goat? Where's our party? Not only can we become angry and bitter when we are in this place of being the elder son, We also tend to refuse to listen to the Father as he begs us, pleads us to come into the party when it's being given for someone we deem unworthy. My friends, God forgives us, but that's not the end of it. We say it every time we utter the words of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Jesus taught this very prayer to his disciples and followers on their way to Jerusalem. This parable comes shortly after that teaching on that same road trip in the Gospel of Luke. Surely there is no coincidence that this parable follows so soon after that prayer. It is an object lesson in living out the promise to forgive as we have been forgiven. We would do well to recognize that we embody both brothers. We are both 
the forgiven prodigal and the elder son being begged by God to forgive and reconcile ourselves to our brother. This brother, this elder brother, is the heart of this tale and what makes it perfect and powerful during this season of Lent. The elder spits out the words, this son of yours, as he's railing to his father about the prodigal's sins and undeserved feast. The father reminds him in his rebuttal, this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life. The father reminds him of the relationship the brotherhood, and the need for forgiveness. I'm not sure if you noticed when Al was reading, but this parable ends with no resolution. Does the elder son give in to his father's begging and go into the house? Will these brothers ever reconcile? We don't know. And I think it's actually that lack of resolution that makes it all the more powerful because we can put ourselves in that son's shoes. What would we do? We know that there can be no relationship as things are at the moment of the parable's ending. No relationship between the brothers. As long as the elder son holds on to his sense of self-centered indignation, bitterness and unforgiveness, and let's not forget that wonderful biblical thing, hardness of heart, that family will never be whole. Caffeine and sweets and social media are not the only luxuries we might consider giving up during Lent. How about the luxuries of self-centered indignation, bitterness, unforgiveness, and hardness of heart? These are luxuries not one of us can afford. We get to construct the end of this story, and if we allow ourselves the imagination to step into the parable, what are we as the elder son going to do? Will we enter the party and rejoice in the good fortune of our repentant and forgiven brother and a reconciled family? Or will we stay outside in the dark with only our anger for company? Forgiveness and reconciliation have been given to us and modeled for us. The choice to go into the party is ours. And maybe, just maybe, we should not just utter the words of the Lord's Prayer week after week out of habit, but instead recognize anew that those words are a gift to us and a pattern for living closer to our brother and to God who so graciously forgives us.